0: episode 11 and today's episode is special. I have my first guest speaker joining me today. His name is Steven. He's also my fiance and he's coming on to share his experience, strength and hope. So let's welcome Steven onto the show. Hi, Steven.
1: Good morning. Good morning, everyone.
0: How are you today?
1: I'm I'm doing very well
0: awesome i want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come on here and to share your story
1: yes i'm very excited to do
0: thank you
1: as you've heard my name is steven and i'm a grateful recovering alcoholic and drug addict
0: at what age Did you stop using drugs and alcohol?
1: I quit drinking and doing drugs uh, three years ago. I finally had enough of that life and I found the willingness to stop using drugs.
0: What was your drug of choice? Was it alcohol, drugs, a little bit of both?
1: Yeah, um... Alcohol took me to places that I never imagined myself in, but I uh, was a drug addict at the end of everything. And um, it was, uh, you know, partly my choice, but alcohol played a big role in that.
0: When did you start using drugs or start drinking?
1: Well, I started smoking weed when I was younger, uh, probably like 14 or 15. That led me to trying alcohol and eventually, you know, ending up with a cocaine addiction at 16 years old.
0: Do you think you became dependent on drugs from age 16 or did it take a while for you to become dependent after juicing or do you think you really didn't get dependent on drugs or on alcohol at all?
1: I was definitely um, addicted to cocaine at a younger age it, it didn't uh, fully envelop my life, really, not like it did towards the end. I um, Same with alcohol and uh, other things, but um, I didn't have a physical and mental obsession until I was probably like uh, 20, 25 or 26 years old.
0: Okay, so it kind of progressed as you got older?
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. I got a lot worse the older I got.
0: <clears throat> Do you think you had a problem with alcohol, or drugs, and then did it get out of control for you?
1: Oh, absolutely. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I didn't. I didn't get in trouble every time I drank, but every time I got in trouble, I was drinking.
0: <laughs> I love that quote. Kind of got you into your addictions.
1: Well, the the wanting to be accepted by others. And then also at the same time, you know, kind of being friends with the, the outcasts of uh, my school and all that. It was just kind of, we were our own, doing our own thing and kind of going against the grain of everyone else. And I was always like anti-everyone, anti-everything. So if you were, you know, doing the mainstream thing and, you know, staying staying uh, sober or straight edge or whatever, I was uh, totally against that. Right. And um, I guess, like, looking back in hindsight, I had a lot of uh, social anxieties, you know. At the time, I didn't realize that, but um, that's just uh, really the gist of it is that I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere, and mm-hmm. that's really why, you know, I, I got along with a lot of people, but, right. you know, uh, the people that I got close to, other degenerates and people who are like me at that point in time
0: right so you found a place to fit in a place where you're accepted and okay
1: people are very uh accepting of alcohol and it seems uh more and more lately that uh not drinking you're just like people look at you like you're crazy or something like how could you not drink or Easiest way for me to deal with that is just to say that it's just a choice of mine, and um, I feel I'm better off without it.
0: Do you agree? Agree with how alcohol is portrayed in society? I mean, you are right when you say like drugs are kind of looked down upon, but alcohol isn't.
1: Yeah, yeah which is kind of a you know a conundrum because, like I said in the beginning, um, alcohol was like uh, my gateway to. You know, using hard drugs, and you know, you watch commercials and everything, or even music videos and all kinds of other things in the media portraying alcohol as a a glamorous lifestyle. And for a lot of people, it's not. You imagine it to be in your mind because of what you see, and really, you're uh, copping drugs on second Ave in one socket at three in the morning after a few drinks. Not a very glamorous place to be if you've ever heard of Woonsocket, Rhode Island.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy. I kind of wish they would show, like, you know, the aftermath of all the horrible things that happen after you drink, after you party, after you do anything that they... um, have commercials for, you know. <laughs> like nobody sees the aftermath or the after effects and I think that's what's most important. And I think that showing the aftermath, the negative things, could really have a bigger impact on the way we view things, on the way we do things in our society.
1: But you're still you're still gonna get those people who are who can you know, justify their using the same way that, you know, I used to, even though I was a alcoholic drug addict, you know, barely, you know, getting through the day every single day without using, if I didn't use, I was, I was just sitting around doing nothing. And, um, you know, people can, I could always, I could still justify myself as well. at least I'm not that homeless guy on the corner. I'm not homeless. I'm not so I'm I'm doing all right because I can work and provide for myself. Right. But at the same time the only thing I'm providing myself is with drug I'm just fueling my addiction every mm-hmm. single day. And um when you open up that door to you know if you the more you show people what alcohol could lead to you can also you're opening up a door for uh, justifications and everybody has their own path to walk and um choosing to quit is a uh, or mm-hmm. even yeah. uh alcoholism as a whole is a uh, what is that a self diagnosed disease
0: what type of steps did you take to get clean
1: it was a very long journey for me i uh you know prison and um, detoxes and all that for a very long time and struggling with the idea that I knew that I was an alcoholic and a a drug addict, but Mm -hmm. I just couldn't control myself. It took me a very long time to finally find the willingness to stop and actually put my best foot forward and work on myself and my recovery. And that was like i said probably from about the age of um 24 25 i was around 24 25 and uh i'd gotten pulled over again driving without a license and uh i was in i was uh, brought to prison and i uh did a little bit of time there upon my release i thought to myself you know i'm never i'm not going to drink again i'm not i'm not doing that ever again and um, within a week i was drinking again <laughs> I mean, it's, um, it was hard, but I did go to a, uh, program, a court ordered program where I was, um, you know, drug tested, uh, three times a week. And I kept sobriety against alcohol for, um, about nine months, I think. And I just, uh, I was doing a marijuana maintenance program, you know, I was using, fake urine to pass my drug tests and kind of just sliding through the system and I graduated that program and um, I was like okay well now what's next Uh, now I'm I didn't know anything about meetings I didn't really know anything about sobriety at all I just kind of thought that it was what I had to do to stay out of prison I didn't think of it as something uh, bettering myself at all i Uh, Fast forward a little bit. Um, My mother passed away and uh, I was completely heartbroken. That's when I I started getting very serious with alcohol, using it as a crutch for my sadness and my grief. And I drank for a very long time and I, I held on to that grief for a very long time. And it was terrifying. I mean, looking back, I would... I wouldn't eat for days. I would just drink and find ways to get alcohol. I didn't have any money to spend on, you know, nourishing my body at all. I would just say, uh, you know, every beer is a sandwich in a can, so basically get blackout drunk every single day and every single night. I would I'd wake up in the middle of the night and reach for my bottle of uh, whiskey or whatever, and it was never... there was no off for me I just kept drinking and and it uh, it caused more problems for me I ended up in um, I ended up in prison again and uh, still that wasn't enough I um, that was the first time that I walked into the doors of a Salvation Army I was court ordered to another program and it was to you know I was Going through the motions and really just doing it again, so that I wouldn't have to go back to jail, and not doing it to better myself, just doing what I had to do to get through. I did the six months, and I I, I was a model uh, Salvation this the Army. First time? Yeah, yeah. This was um, yeah, probably like uh, seven years ago. I um, I graduated the program did everything I had to do, basically dot my I's and cross my T's, and uh, I got the case dismissed. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I walked out of there, it was on. I was, uh, my sister let me stay with her for a little while, and there was a liquor store down the street and bars, and with uh, the little money that I had, I'd go Buy a first thing I did, go buy a pint of vodka. I didn't even really like vodka, <laughs> but um, it was the cheapest and closest thing near me, and that's what I, I she found uh, the empty bottles underneath uh, the recliner where I was uh, you know, kind of hanging out and everything, and mm-hmm. that's when she brought me into a sober house, and that was uh. Terrible experience of a sober house, but, um... How long
0: were you in the sober house?
1: I stayed there for, like, a month, maybe. And, um... I... Uh, experienced some things there and saw things that, um... were kind of, uh, scary and... But mm-hmm. it really, uh, it, it it opened up a door for me to really wanting to try heroin and, um you know, IV drugs, because that's kind of like what everybody was doing at the time. And they were like, it, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, uh, people look down on you because you're not a drug addict. You're an alcoholic, you know, and they're like, well, you don't do drugs. What are you doing here? you what are you doing in a sober house? You know, you just, a, you just drink. There's nothing wrong with drinking. You know, it's that, that social stigma of uh, alcohol really not being a problem.
0: So, Alcohol wasn't cutting it for you anymore?
1: Yeah, you know, it took a little while, but I, um, yeah, I ended up uh, trying trying her. I, I snorted heroin for the first time, probably uh, a couple weeks after I left that sober house. I and got, it was
0: a completely different experience than drinking?
1: Absolutely. I don't want to get into all the ins and outs of it, but uh, I fell in love with it very quickly. Yeah, I at first I kept it at bay, and I used my justification powers of uh, you know I only do it on the weekends, I only do mm. it, um, you know I don't I won't do it two days in a row, and uh, you know until it was every single day, and um, I really had a bad problem with it, and I struggled with that for for a little while. Right, I was still an alcoholic, but the uh, I. I would only drink excessively if I couldn't get high, or if I couldn't, you know, find the means of getting high. I would just drink excessively to uh, blackout drinking mm-hmm. and
0: to escape.
1: Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't want to feel anymore. I just, I was just existing, and I, I didn't want to feel the uh, the emotions and, you know, how I felt like. I was useless in this world. I was a loser. I was, a, you know, those things run through your mind where you just like, I'm just a loser, drug addict, drunk, piece of shit, and you know, this is what this is what my life is going to be. You know, you think ahead. This is this is it. Like, I mean, the things don't get much better for me if I keep doing this. Mm-hmm. I was stuck in that pattern, and I started thinking, maybe if I quit, things will be better it was a scary thought at the time because i didn't know how to go about living without using i i i used to live and i lived to use it was uh you know it, a non-stop cycle of waking up making some money going to get high going to get drunk you know yeah. everything came to a crashing halt i uh i i overdosed on um on fentanyl i had a i had a near death so experience so heroin
0: led to fentanyl Well, or was it mixed?
1: Yeah, it's kind of like, um, whatever you're getting out there, you know, uh, you don't know what you're really getting. Mm
0: -hmm. So it could be beetle,
1: (laughs) yeah. They, uh, they mix everything and it's just Mm -hmm. kind of like, uh, it's a crapshoot on, uh, whatever you're gonna get, you know.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I had a, a near death experience, what I felt in that moment was, uh, I, w- I was right on the edge, and I got brought back, and I I believe that um, uh, Jesus Christ, that he spoke to me that day, and he brought me back for reasons I still don't know, but um, I'm going to do my best to uh, live for him. I'm not gonna, uh, I, I didn't get sober right after this experience, it took about two weeks of, uh, you know, continuing my lifestyle mm-hmm. until I, um, I came to an end of, at, at the end of my rope where uh, my, uh, my sister and my brother gave me an ultimatum and said, you know, if you're going to keep living like this, you know, don't, we're, we're going to be out of your life. don't I don't have any other family, so I really uh, look to them for, you know, the support and love that, uh, you know, we need as uh, humans from our uh, relatives and yeah, uh, let my sister I told my sister you know this was it and um, she let me stay at her house for a couple days and well my brother and my sister were both living together at the same time so I kind of sweated out on the couch for a couple days and um, went to a detox they put me in line for the Salvation Army I, I knew the place I knew that uh, I knew what they offered and you know, I didn't have insurance or anything, so you know, they they offer, you know, a place to live and a place to get better. I went to detox, walked out on um, about three years ago, a couple days, and um, slept on the couch again. Went to Salvation Army the next day. And I'll never forget the the feelings and what I experienced uh, right before that. I was in the parking lot with my sister. And
0: right before you, um...
1: before I checked in. Okay. I'll never forget the, that moment. I was uh, I was teary eyed and I was praying, and that's when I remembered that moment where I came back. I felt the uh, the presence of God upon me, and I just I prayed so hard that I'd never have to do this again, and I'd never have to put my family through the pain. Right. Again. That started uh, my journey into recovery, and you know it was a long road. After that, I I I followed the program to the T for the first uh, for my first year of sobriety. I you know got the sponsor, you know went to meetings three four times a week. You know I got I really got into it. I mean now I'm I'm three years sober, and one of the things that I was told in the beginning when I was struggling. Because I didn't even want to be at that place. I was like... Right. I was not feeling good. And, um,
0: and I, it's faith-based, right? Everything completely changes.
1: Yeah. My... Uh, it's my, not my,
0: comfort. It's like outside of your comfort.
1: Yeah. My counselor there, I was uh, struggling and I told him about it. And he said, in this really... It still works for me today that all you have to do is not drink or do drugs today. That's it. You don't have to fast forward. You don't have to look back. You just need to focus on today. If there's anybody out there um, struggling to get through a day.
0: One day at a time, right?
1: Yes, one day at a time. and um, That's really how simple it is. And after a little while, it gets better and it gets better.
0: So there were many steps for you to take to get clean. But after all of that, you graduated the program?
1: Yes. I. Uh, and how
0: did you commit by staying clean and sober for that long? How do you commit to staying clean?
1: Well, I've committed myself to a new lifestyle. I know where I came from, and I know I don't want to go back. I tell myself, I know what the results are going to be if I pick up a drink or a drug, and they're not the ones that I want. I, uh, and I never forget that. I don't let that thought slip from my mind that alcohol and drugs are only going to hold me back from the things that I want and I that I truly desire from this life.
0: So your commitment is kind of like focusing on the future? Focusing on the greater good, greater things?
1: Yeah, you keeping know, keeping
0: your faith, focusing on your higher power. So you worked the program and you worked the meetings, and that helped you in the beginning.
1: Yes, absolutely. Nice. Um, I got to meet some some good guys, and uh, my sponsor was a a very nice man. We'd uh, meet up for coffee and play cards, and really just being around somebody who was also sober in like a real world situation not inside of a program was uh very beneficial to me because it it gives me it gave me hope that that there's a normal life after the the program you know
0: Right. right so after we become sober our life changes when we recover so so how did that change affect you for the good for the bad
1: my, it's a really big change. My life has turned around uh, completely. Um, I'm happier um, mm-hmm. mentally. I'm a little bit larger physically, yeah. but uh, they uh, they call that the recovery weight. Yeah, uh, still holding on to that. It's um,
0: because you're pregnant with me. <laughs> it's a weight.
1: Yes, I, I I keep my I keep myself grounded. You're you're a huge part of that. Krista, you Thank really uh, you. Thank bring me back to um, you know. Sometimes uh, my, my mind will drift off, and you help me remember that this is uh, a life worth living, mm-hmm. and that um, you know as as a, as a life in sobriety is has been wonderful with you, and um, through yeah. our faith, through through uh, God, and
0: oh, yeah, like. Like we said in the beginning, I think both of us agreed and came to the agreement that we put God first, and then we put ourselves first, and then we put each other, because without God, and then without loving ourselves, we can't love each other, and I think that was, like, huge, because I don't think I ever really did that before, but um, the way we were able to come together and do that, and then I think that's a huge thing that, like, makes our relationship work huge thing that like helps us stay focused but also stay in love stay together
1: yeah and and staying sober
0: yeah what are some activities hobbies or interests that you do now that you're sober that maybe you didn't do before like Um. like what can you tell the listeners the viewers how they can have fun How they can enjoy activities or their hobbies or interests in sobriety.
1: Uh, Yeah, you can pretty much do anything that you would have done um, just, you know, without alcohol. I find peace with myself. I can sit with myself now and, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I can enjoy that. Where towards the beginning of my recovery, I needed to stay busy. Meetings helped with that. You know, it gave me something to constantly look forward to. I'm at a point where I'm a, I'm pretty busy all the time. and um,
0: Right, like you're working, yeah. but you're also taking time off to relax, but you're enjoying life, so...
1: Oh, and I I truly enjoy hiking and doing trail mm-hmm. walks and walking the dogs with you. That's, like, probably one of my yes. most favorite things.
0: Getting outside in nature.
1: Yeah, pretty adventure. much... Pretty much anything outside is, um, like, what yeah. I love. And um,
0: and everything's just so much more heightened and beautiful sober. <laughs> You're not, like, drunk, it's, walking it's, in the woods. Or
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not uh, hungover and barely, barely awake. Um,
0: is there any advice at all that you would give to the listeners if they are struggling in active addiction or even if they're struggling with their recovery today?
1: Reach out to somebody, uh, no matter how hard it may be and how much you may not want to. I know that sometimes, uh, you know, speaking up and talking about what's going on is the hardest, the, the biggest challenge, you know. It's like, um, but look to look for somebody who has, you know, a, a good amount of time under their belt, sobriety. Somebody who lives that life, ask them. And, you know, be vocal and honest. Honesty will get you a very, very far. And just let go of your fears and talk to somebody about your life and your problems. Somebody, even It can be somebody that you don't even know, and that makes it a little easier. And that's what, really what the meetings are, are good for meeting people because... Hmm. You know, everybody's doing the same right. thing. Right. You know, you don't don't have to overcomplicate it and think that, you know, you have to make friends and, you know, it, it, it can be weird and you can see that people are kind of clicky at the meetings sometimes, but you don't have to worry about that. You're there right. for your sobriety and look past uh, your own insecurities and know what you're there for. Just be present and listen. And if you... If You know, absolutely have to look for somebody and reach out, and do not be ashamed of that. You know,
0: because one day at a time. Like we're never gonna be perfect. No one is perfect, and I think that's a huge thing in recovery and addiction. Yeah, acceptance. Acceptance. Number one. Thank you, and what an incredible story. You know. I am so very proud of you, and I am grateful to have you in my life today because you certainly do help me through my own sobriety. Thank you for coming on my show, Crystal Living Sober. This is episode 11 with Steven. Thank you for
1: having me. Yeah, (laughs)
0: you're welcome. So I wish everybody to have um, a great rest of your day. And a happy and, Thanksgiving. And have a happy Thanksgiving. And thank you for tuning in.